Good evening. Happy Sabbath. It's a great privilege to be able to come and share how good God has been in our lives. And I just want to ask one more word of prayer if you would pray for me also. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings of the Sabbath, for your faithfulness and goodness throughout our journey. I pray that you would anoint my lips, that it would be your words that I can share with your brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. God never leads his fam, his children otherwise then they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning. Is my slide up okay? There it is. <clears throat> God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning. Desire of Ages 2.24. And this has been a I guess you could say a point of serious contemplation. Are we gonna take God at his word if we could see from God's frame of reference, would we choose the path that he has allowed us to come? Infinite love has orchestrated and ordained. And I just want to encourage you this day In Ministry of Healing, page 100 and paragraph two, it says, our confession of his faithfulness is heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ to the world. We are to acknowledge his grace as made known through the holy men of old, but that which will be most effectual is the testimony of our own experience. And that's what I wanna share with you today. God is good. And all the time, God is good. It's true, brothers and sisters, it's true. And we are here to proclaim that. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, it reads, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. I'm starting my story today when I was a student at Southern. And after being a student missionary in 2001 and 2002 to the Marshall Islands, I came back and I remember praying an interesting prayer, but it was heartfelt and it was sincere, my third year at Southern. I said, Lord, whenever you ask me to do something, I want to make it my habit to say yes. And in less than one week, I was asked to speak at the Friday Vespers for the university. And I am not the upfront speaker kind of person, but God has a way of preparing the hearts of each one of us. And I want to encourage you, prepare to say yes when God gives you a nudge in a direction. Fast forward about 13 years, I was at Loma Linda University School of Medicine, class of 2008. In the middle of that, I married my sweet wife, Marianne. Went to Michigan for three years of residency. 
And back to Northern California, we started our life after residency with three kids, uh, just about as soon as we got there, uh, working ER in emergency medicine. Level two trauma center in Reading, watching things change as I saw uh, unfolding in the world, such as people declaring that the Protestant Reformation was over, our society rapidly becoming more and more like Sodom, like Gomorrah. The scripture came to my mind as it was in the days of Lot. I started to have a strong impression in me that the Lord is coming soon. And how he grew the ability and confidence to share him in the workplace is something that I want to begin with as we get into the rest of this story. The right arm, the health message. After medical school residency and a year or two in practice, I became convinced after seeing patients day by day in the ER that approximately 90% of what I saw was in some way preventable. And the topic of health reform and adopting a more plant-based diet, it's never become, it's never been easier to share because now everyone knows that. There's the, uh, there's the forks over knives, there's the um, um, China study, there's all, these, there's all these different resources that are out there coming uh, that have now made people keenly aware, especially as their health is getting worse and worse and worse, as I see, that uh, it is now not completely uh, surprising to people when you talk to them about a plant-based diet. Now, as I started to just get my feet wet with sharing the health message with people, pretty timid at first, you know, say, well, there's a documentary that you could watch. It will tell you a lot about it. And, you know, maybe you should eat less meat and more plants and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, just kind of leave it at that. But somewhere along the line, a conviction came upon me. I'm not going to be plagiarizing God's message anymore with the patients that I see and telling them to watch this or that without in some way be it big or small, attributing that wisdom to God, our creator, our savior, and the one who was the inventor of health. Consequently, uh, naturally the pace of an ER doesn't lend itself for long periods of uh, conversation with patients, but it was enough that it whet my appetite and I pretty soon became pretty... um, it became my, my, my joy and my love if I could somehow share something that would be more of a lasting health benefit to them than simply, you know, we've did some labs, we've done a CT, we've done an ultrasound, they're all normal, there's nothing seriously wrong with you, go home. <laughs> On the contrary, validating them along the way, I learned something that has been very beneficial 
in bridging the subject of the health message. And that is something like this, telling them, we've gotten some tests on you, labs, CT, ultrasound, whatever we've gotten, and nothing seems to be emergently wrong. That, however, doesn't mean that there's not a problem. It just means we have to start checking and testing in a different way. There are only so many things that labs can do. There are only so many things that a CT and an ultrasound can do. Ultimately, if you're gonna wanna uh, see if you can find out what is truly wrong, you are gonna have to do something that might involve changing your habits of daily living. In the book, Councils on Health, page 38, it reads, it is therefore of the highest importance that among the studies selected for childhood, physiology should occupy first place. People just don't understand or know how their bodies work. And I wanna give you just a brief example and I do not mean to be uh, condescending in any way. I don't speak for scientific assemblies. I talk to ER patients. And after talking to ER patients for about 10 years, this is how it is. So the person who comes in with abdominal pain and we do tests that I believe are indicated and they all come back fairly unremarkable. I have this short little discussion with them. The tests that we've gotten indicate that there doesn't appear to be any, anything emergently wrong. However, that doesn't mean that there isn't a problem. Could I talk to you just a little bit about digestion? I'll ask them usually, could you just tell me what, you, what you've eaten in the last 24 hours? And usually when they tell me, it would be enough to make you know, most people cringe because it sounds painful, just what they're describing. <laughs> I tell them, let me, just, let, me just, let me just give you a couple of quick points and see if this makes sense to you. What is the purpose of eating food? It's so that you can get nutrition, so that your body can build, rebuild, repair. How does it do that? Well, you put it in your mouth and you chew it up. You do the work that the teeth are supposed to do in your mouth and then you let it, and then you swallow, it goes into your stomach. What does the stomach do? Well, there's a complex chemical process down there that happens, but basically it breaks down the food. There's some enzymes that require it to be a highly acidic environment and also normal body temperature, 37 degrees Celsius, 98.6. Now, there are some things that are easier to digest than others. If you were to set up a continuum on easy, hard, you could have on the easy side maybe juice, honeydew, cantaloupe, etc. All the way on the hard side, you'd have a triple bacon cheeseburger. And then everything else falls in between there. Now, as I share with them, let's just say you put the triple bacon cheeseburger down there. That's gonna require more work or less work for the stomach? More. Apparent, you know, that, 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 that much is obvious. Is it gonna to need to be in the stomach longer or shorter? Longer. Is it gonna to need to produce more stomach acid or less stomach acid to break that down? More. Now, what if you put that big food bolus down into your stomach and then you wash it down with a big 32 ounce ice cold iced tea? What happens? Well, all of a sudden, 
the two factors that it needs for efficient digestion in the stomach are no longer there. It needs to be the right temperature, which it's now not. It needs to be the right pH, which it now is not. Instead of being highly acidic, it's now basically what water is, neutral, and digestion halts until your body's able to reestablish the homeostasis that it needs to have of the right temperature, the right pH. The food that you just swallowed, that you uh, put down into your stomach, it's going to sit there and do nothing in a cold, dark, wet place until the conditions favorable for digestion come back. And then you can share with them, this is why you should drink 30 minutes before you eat or about two hours after because you need to have good hydration so that you can make all the salivary juices and enzymes and so on and so forth that they do. And now, if you start to have a problem and you have gastritis or a peptic ulcer, what is the common thing that people are, do- are doing? They are giving a proton pump inhibitor or an H2 blocker which decreases the body's ability to produce stomach acid while ignoring the triple bacon cheeseburger. So if you put the triple bacon cheeseburger into the stomach and now you turn down your body's ability to produce stomach acid, is digestion going to be more efficient or less efficient? Less. And usually about that time, their eyes have a light bulb that just goes on. That makes so much sense. So when you eat, pH has to be right, temperature has to be right. You don't wash the food down with the water. You hydrate yourself before or after. And then you don't want to be chronically downrighting your your stomach's ability to do what it is designed to do. You want to modify not that, but what goes in. And usually about that time, the eyes just get bright and they see, I have never understood that so clearly. That seems so simple. It is. God's ways are not complicated. They are not complicated. And just simply from having a brief discussion with them and oftentimes handing out a health magazine or some other resource, they will leave and I don't know what happens with most of them. A few of them I get feedback to. But the people that you share it in front of, namely the nurses, over the last few years I've had at least a dozen nurses say, hey, I just want to let you know I've been listening to you and I've changed this and this and this and I have gotten it out of my life and I say praise the Lord so you never know who your audience is. You can make it simple. That little bit alone on digestion, physiology, how it is supposed to work goes miles with most ailments. So, the health message. God led us along. Next, he led us to a book called Country Living. Are you living where God wants you? Okay, so in the workplace, he grew us. He grew me. After I had started becoming a little bit more comfortable doing that, then it was time for another growing experience. And uh, Country Living, short paperback book, Came into, our, uh, came into our possession and my wife and I reread the book Country Living and prayed that the Lord would lead us to the country for two years. Prayed for two years. There's nothing wrong with being on God's timing. But I will say, start asking now. My wife and I, we prayed about it for two years and then it happened. It wasn't a convenient time at all. 
when our landlords that we were renting at a place that we'd been at for years said, sorry, we need our house back. Family's coming into town. You have 60 days to get out. But Marianne's five months pregnant with our fourth child. This isn't very convenient. It's okay. God doesn't consult our convenience necessarily, but he will provide a way. Right after we moved, we had our fourth child. We took God at his word that moving into the country was what he had intended for us to do. And what we've learned, most importantly, character development. Oh, has the character developed since moving out of our golf course community out into the sticks where if something happens, the grocery store, the hardware store, Home Depot and Lowe's, it's a 40 minute drive. A little bit inconvenient, but you know what? We have already gotten to see the rich dividends it has paid in our own character development and that of our kids. Practical usefulness and the ability to grow food and promote optimal health. Before the accident, I would say that our health had never been better since we had moved out into the country and we don't even need a gym membership. We just need 10 acres that you're always trying to keep at bay and a garden that you're trying to make grow. It'll provide all the exercise you could possibly need. But another reason that is important as was seen in the context of you know, me becoming aware that you know things are changing in this world. We are on an accelerated course. God is looking for people that he can impress with something, a truth, a principle, and they'll say, okay, I'll do it. Be prepared by obedience to God for the coming crisis and be situated to be a blessing to others when that time comes. It's not about self-preservation, it's about obedience to God and being ready to share and be a blessing to others when that moment comes. So God took us through a process as we uh, got into practice, started becoming a little bit more comfortable with uh, principles of the health message. He moved us out into the country. And then he did something quite, uh, uh, quite large, and that was he gave us the experience of trials and trouble at a local church. We're probably the only ones that have gone through that. But perplexity and trouble just started happening. And through it, my wife and I, we became strongly convicted. You know, I've heard of those books, Testimonies for the Church. I've never read a single one of them, though. So I got on Amazon, and I found a used copy of all nine volumes for about $35. I don't know if anyone else would do the same thing, but if God puts that burden on your heart, ask him to make a way and see what he will do. I and my wife became convicted that the testimony of the church, volume one, volumes one through nine, were given, to, given by God with the expectation that his church would read them. When I say his church, I don't mean the ministers only. His church. Testimonies for the church. Testimonies for each and every one of you. What a blessing that turned out to be. Because you see, the trials didn't go away and the perplexities didn't go away. But it was uncanny. We purposed, I purposed, I was gonna postpone all outside reading until I had read them through one through nine. And when I did that, something interesting happened. When you would have a perplexity or trial, it would seem like every single time, the very next thing I would read in the testimonies 
would address that very thing. And so that is one of our encouragements and calls. God is taking each one of us on a path. He is wanting to grow us. He wants every single one of us to be among his final evangelistic team, namely the 144,000 when everything just, when, when everything wraps up. And he's given us the tools to be a part of that. What a blessing. If, that, if there's nothing else that you remember from this, um, from this uh, presentation, read the testimonies. I recommend in order. <laughs> so, while we were in the middle of reading the testimonies, something very unusual happened in the Knutson house. And that was, after Marianne and I and the kids had been at our country living property for, I think a year and a half or two, something strange happened. We became inescapably convinced and convicted that we should sell it and move. You just brought us here, Lord. Why would we move? But the feeling just kept getting stronger and stronger. Move, 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 move. Okay, well, I talked to her, she talked to me. We both had the same impression. So what do you think that you should do? Well, Lord, I'll see what you, we'll, we'll see what you'll do. We'll put it for sale by owner, not really try to advertise it at all, price it a little high and see what happens. We did that. Within one week, a buyer came and we were in escrow. And then there was no keeping it hush-hush, you had to start telling people. And I don't know if you ever had to explain something that seems to have no good explanation to someone else. You're moving? Where? We don't know. (laughs) What are you gonna do with a job? We're looking, we just don't know where yet but you were just led to the country. That was an answer to prayer, I thought. It was. (laughs) But this came to my mind. Abraham and Isaac, you might pray for something and God may give it to you. And then he may see, would you be willing to give it up? So, I started saying my goodbyes at work and I put in my notice. Well, I had had a fantastic working environment with you know, physicians, nurses, doctors, PAs, everyone there. It had been something, it had been a pleasure to work there and it had been a great first job out of residency. But as we knew that we were gonna be going and saying goodbye, well, when you know you're leaving, all of a sudden a new boldness comes upon you that you might wanna share the everlasting gospel a little, bit, a little bit more clearly than you otherwise would have. And so a burden of soul was put upon me, wrap up 80 great controversies, uh, type out a nice letter, and give it to every single person I worked with at the Catholic hospital, no less. It was a wonderful place, a very favorable place to witness, though. They have the chaplains come on morning and evening. They have, you know, pictures of, you know, Bible verses all over the wall. Very favorable place. But that was something that was unbelievable. And then just 
a few days before we were to set sail, and the plan was simple. Not knowing where we were going to go, we were going to use this as a family sabbatical. I'd been trying to cut back shifts for about two years, three years, to spend more time with the family. And uh, as you have it, when you quit a job, then you have all the time that you could possibly want. And the plan was to travel for probably two to three months and see what the Lord would open up next. Well, the sale of our house fell through is what happened next. But I had already put in my notice, been taken off the schedule, and we had a magnificent trip where we got to spend two and a half months together as a family with high quality family time. And ultimately was able to come back, which they gave me a complete open door. I uh, said, you can come back anytime. So then I came back part-time instead of full-time. And so what I had been trying to do for years, get my number of shifts down just a little bit, was able to be accomplished through this. We were able to stay at our prayed for country property. The story just kept getting better and better. But ultimately, in retrospect, we could see that God was leading. Would we be willing to give up a precious gift that we had prayed for, dream country property, like Abraham and Isaac? But even more, having gone on that trip, God knew what was about to happen to our family afterwards. And having that two and a half month trip where we were able to spend high quality time going to national parks, drove across the country and back, it was a missionary trip. Everywhere we stayed at an RV resort uh, or campground or something, it seems like someone would come up, would come into our, our circle, we would talk about health or prophecy, hand out great controversies or a health magazine. And it was just a real, real rich blessing. So, great controversy, read it, share it, like the leaves of autumn. This leads me up to the second half of where God had been leading us up to. In the book, My Life Today, it reads, page 92, a refining, purifying process is going on among the people of God, and the Lord of hosts has set his hand to this work. This process is most trying to the soul, but it is necessary in order that defilement may be removed. Trials are essential in order that we may be brought close to our Heavenly Father. In submission to his will that we may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. The Lord brings his children over the same ground again and again, increasing the pressure until perfect humility fills the mind and the character is transformed. Then they are victorious over self and in harmony with Christ and the spirit of heaven. Listen to this. The purification of God's people cannot be accomplished without suffering. He passes us from one fire to another, testing our true worth. True grace is willing to be tried. If we are loath to be searched by the Lord, our condition is one of peril. The picture above on the screen is a family photo taken on a bright and glorious Sabbath at one of our favorite spots near where we live. Little did we realize what kind of a trial we were about to find ourselves in less than 24 hours later. But again, God is so good. How many times do you go to a beautiful place like that as a family and you don't take a family picture? You just go and come back, especially with kids. It's, it's hard to get those in. But God knew. 
He is so good. He gave us every gift to alleviate uh, the pain as much as he possibly could. And then on July 28, 2019, I went into work, a 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. shift, two patients into it, 30 minutes, uh, two patients and 30 minutes into the shift, the EMS trauma radio sounded. And I'll remember that moment as long as my mind works. This was a Sunday. We live in the country, down a rural road. And when it said motor vehicle accident, Whitmore Road with an 1144, meaning someone had died, I immediately had this sense that all was no longer well. Whitmore Road, very low travel. Sunday, even less travel. But I knew that Marianne was gonna be coming in shortly after me. And I called her phone, no answer. I called home, my sister-in-law was there, said, oh yeah, she and the girls just left about 15 minutes ago. We called EMS on a private line and they confirmed that it was our vehicle. So not knowing who had died, but that someone had died, I had to wait the next few dreaded minutes into the individual EMS reports started coming in. While we were waiting for that, an SOS call went out with my coworkers and within about 15 minutes, four docs, tons of nurses and people just uh, showed up. It was, such a, it was such a huge support. They just took my patients. I didn't even have to give a sign out. They just took it. And then as I listened to the radio reports come in, first one was approximately 35 year old female who appears to have a cervical spine injury and is obviously paralyzed. Next one, five-year-old female, looks pretty good, a few scrapes, uh, vital signs stable. Next one, approximately three-year-old female coming in, obvious femur deformity. And uh, at that point I knew it was our Sierra who had died on impact. And that was enough to know and put those dots together. And at that moment, life as we knew it was just turned completely upside down. In Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13, a verse that has brought much comfort to us since that happened was, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. It was through this, tri- through this trying ordeal that I think I f- understand what it would feel like to have uh, a big hole in your heart. And uh, the time in the emergency room was just a blur, having a paralyzed wife. And when I saw her being unloaded from the helicopter, which was a miracle in itself that they had such a fast response time, and to see her, who I had just left about 45 minutes ago, totally healthy, now being totally broken. But she was talking to me. Brain was intact, felt like she couldn't breathe. It was just because of her respiratory muscles had been taken out. Um, That was a horrible feeling, but it had to be juggled between the screaming and in pain, little Trinity with the broken femur and wondering if there'd be any other injuries in, this one, uh, in Whitney. 
And then also having to coordinate a family transfer because the hospital I work at didn't have a pediatric ICU and they wanted to watch her uh, Trinity in a pediatric ICU uh, because she had a pulmonary contusion uh, which she recovered from quite fine. So we had to get transferred as a family down to UC Davis and uh, just that whole thing. Uh, The hardest part of the whole day was the first time I had to verbalize to, uh, it was actually my parents that I called and actually had to say the words that Marianne had been in an accident and that Sierra had died and that she was, and that Marianne was paralyzed. I don't know of anything that can be more painful than burying your firstborn child unless it's leaving your paralyzed wife in the ICU who is not sedated, mentally sharp, but still unable to speak because she has a tracheostomy and still ventilator dependent and drive two and a half hours away without her to do it. But there was not gonna be getting Marianne out of the ICU anytime soon. And having to carry your four-year-old in a spica cast to do it. Nonetheless, we have seen God's faithfulness. And I don't want to dwell so much on the pain and the agony of this, but I want to now bring a little bit of attention to Sierra's life and that hopefully it can be an encouragement to us who are parents and grandparents. That quote at the top, Great Controversy, page 621, paragraph one reads, God's love for his children during the period of their severest trial is as strong and tender as in the days of their sunniest prosperity. Sierra was our firstborn. She died one and a half months before turning 10. And she was quite a child, as any parent would say about their firstborn. But was she ever a reader? Oh my, did she love reading. She read the Bible through cover to cover, messages to young people cover to cover, multiple other books, playing the piano, violin by ear, composing original pieces, could make a meal, could change the baby's diaper, bathe the baby, dress the baby, tuck in the baby. She loved babies (laughs) and animals too. And she was a health reformer. In the fullest sense of the word, first sign of sickness, She's getting out the raw garlic. She's getting out the onion. She's, getting out, she's starting the hot and cold uh, showers and fomentations. But um, before I transition to more of her there, the grief of losing her, I want to leave the hope that we found in the grief. And that is this scripture, which parallels Great Controversy 621. Isaiah 48 and verse 10 reads, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. For some reason, God has chosen trials as the means that will best prepare us to be like him. In the book, Ministry of Healing, page 254, paragraph eight, it reads, song is a weapon that we can always use against discouragement. And I appreciate the beautiful music that was done earlier. Although not terribly musically gifted myself, my wife is. That's what I miss, one of the things I miss most about the injury. Could she ever play the piano? But she will again soon. 
In early writings, page 47, it says, I saw that this bitter cup can be sweetened by three things, patience, endurance, and prayer, and that it will have its designed effect upon the hearts of those who thus receive it, and God will be honored and glorified. Our sweet Sierra. Those books up there, all of those she had read cover to cover. And uh, I just remember her eager mind full of inquisitiveness and always looking for another book to read. She just mowed through them and she would retain it. Mom and dad, she would say, I read this and that. I read that we shouldn't eat in between meals. You're right, Sierra, we shouldn't. We should stop, no more eating between meals. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad, I read that we shouldn't drink tea, coffee, or alcohol. You're right, Sierra. Well, let's make sure that we never, never start doing any of that and encourage others who might to stop. Mom and dad, I read that we shouldn't eat cheese, refined sugar, or things that combine milk, eggs, and sugar in our baking. It clogs the system. It makes us more peevish. You're right, Sierra. It does. Well, we shouldn't do those things then, should we? Mom and dad, I just read this book that says the real story between Christmas, Easter, and Halloween. We as Christians shouldn't celebrate those holidays at all. Sierra, you're right. (laughs) Mom and dad, how come some people don't want to move into the country? I just read Country Living. I think everyone should move into the country. Well, if they haven't yet, Sierra, don't bother, don't, don't badger them too much, just a little, but start praying that they will want to. Oh, Sierra, was she ever something. And um, before I forget, since I'm on two different things, I need the video. Let's see. I'm gonna let Sierra talk to you real quick. We have a special video that hopefully will roll. Exciting, I'm building my health house. I'm building my health house day by day as I eat and sleep and work and play. My food is the lumber that I use and the best of materials I must choose, such as fruits, grains, nuts, and vegetables, while fresh air furnishes the boards and nails. Then sleep the carpenter takes them all and silently fashions each room and hall. If I build a right when I am old, I'll have a health house I am proud to hold. No need for breakdowns or repairs, for good material wears and wears. So I'm building my health house day by day as I eat and sleep and work and play. Some build for happiness, some build for wealth, but I'll find them all in my house of health. God bless you. I'm going to be reciting, I'm building my health house. True words, amen? Amen. Revelation 14, 13, and their good works do follow them. Praise the Lord. We don't mean to put her up as a, um, on a pedestal in some way, but we just want to encourage parents. You wouldn't believe the things that kids are capable of, okay? If you get them started in the direction and on the path that you want them to go, the Bible, the spirit of prophecy, the testimonies, they can become their favorite reading material. The hymnal can become their favorite songs. No need for the, you know, for the other stuff that doesn't give any real substance to the spiritual development. 
But as we were still in the midst of this crisis, six weeks at UC Davis, totally helpless, looking for a rehab hospital to go to. Uh, And spinal cord injury is a very specialized type of rehab that it needs. Uh, The scripture came to mind in Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. We'll go through trials. Keep going forward. Okay. Sierra's resting in the dust right now. But may the motivation that we will be on the same side of the resurrection as her help motivate us to be faithful. And I'm sure that each one of you have loved ones also that you are looking forward to seeing and spending all of eternity with. It was a series of miracles and just an unbelievable outflow of generosity and support that came to us through all of this. Some of you might have been a part of that and if you were, I thank you. If not, that's fine though. But uh, the GoFundMe uh, account that, that one of my good friends may, uh, set up was able to open the way for us to get into Craig Hospital out in Inglewood, Colorado. And so after six weeks at UC Davis, Marianne was loaded up on that Learjet with myself and to Colorado we went. Um, as grateful as we were for the care that we received in the ER and the ICU at UC Davis, ultimately it just seemed like it was a series of hurdles and tremendous obstacles and problems that we had to just navigate through. When we arrived at Craig, we were so relieved because it seemed to have a totally different feel of solutions orientation rather than problems orientation. We were there for about two months where we learned to do all the things that we would need to do to successfully transition to living uh, at home as, and as independently as possible. Uh, this included learn how to get dressed and undressed, learn how to get in and out of vehicles to go somewhere, learn how to navigate through the airports, TSA and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and I want to just play a video that I have on this next slide, it's having trouble advancing. And I wanna play a video. Uh, This was the first time in six weeks that I heard my wife's voice, even though she'd been awake the entire time. I'm so happy today because I'm talking. So exciting. I've been at Craig Hospital or Rehab for two days and Things are moving right along. So praise the Lord. Thank you all for your continued love and prayers. Amen. The love and prayers were greatly appreciated. And the scripture came to mind on Psalms. uh, I meant to go back one slide, I'm sorry. Psalms uh, Psalms 89 verse 1. If we could just go back one slide but not play the video. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. You have no idea how big of an encouragement it was to hear my wife's voice after it being totally silent for six weeks. Unbelievable. And um, while we were there, at Craig and the contrast that we 
felt, and you know, I realized that there were realities that had to be stabilized first, but the dwelling on the problems and having the, uh, the attitude that we had at the first hospital of, you're gonna have to do this next test. You're gonna have to do this swallow evaluation. You know, I don't know if you'll do, I don't know if you're gonna pass it or not. It was just something that was just, uh, it was foreboding. It was scary. It was not uh, encouraging. But at the rehab hospital, solutions were the theme of everything. And I just wanna just pause right now to make an appeal to healthcare providers. Be advocates and be encouraging to each and every one of your patients. They might have monumental hurdles to go through. You might think there's no chance they're gonna get through this one this time. But tell them they will do great. You can, you will do fine. I think that you will do just fine. This isn't gonna be that bad. You will do fantastic. And the spirit of prophecy gives weight to this. In Ministry of Healing, page 196, it reads, speak words of hope and courage to the poor and disheartened. If need be, give tangible proof of your interests by helping them when they come into straight places. This was a straight place that we found ourselves in and all the encouragement was so appreciated. Also, Ministry of Healing, page 241, reads, the condition of the mind affects the health to a far greater degree than many realize. Many of the diseases from which men suffer are the result of mental depression, grief, anxiety, discontent, remorse, guilt, distrust. All tend to break down the life forces and to invite decay and death. Disease is sometimes produced and is often greatly aggravated by the imagination. Many are lifelong invalids who might be well if only they thought so. Many imagine that every slight exposure will cause illness and the evil effect is produced because it is expected. Many die from disease, the cause of which was wholly imaginary. It goes on, courage, hope, faith, sympathy, love, promote health and prolong life. Resolve this evening to take those with you and give them to your patients. In the treatment of the sick, the effect of mental influence should not be overlooked. Rightly used, the influence affords one of the most effective agencies for combating disease. Simply, the power of encouragement and positivity. So, wherever you go after this, bring that back, take it to one level higher. You can do it, you will do great. I have confidence in you as you come through this life or limb threatening thing or as you take a step towards eating differently, living differently, health counseling. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as paralysis. It can be the smallest things, but bring that to your patients. The pen of inspiration has given us that that will make worlds of difference mostly underestimated. So this picture was taken the same place as the first one that I showed, the first family picture that we showed uh, at the beginning of the, of the, of the slideshow. And uh, it looks different now. In Job 23 verse 10, it has become one of my favorite verses now, which reads, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, 
I shall come forth as gold. We put it to a song that we're not gonna sing here, but we'll be singing it in the children's vespers tomorrow evening, if you wanna hear how that tune goes. (laughs) But in Manuscript 69, 1912, I wanna share, God's children are always being tested in the furnace of affliction. If they endure the first trial, it is not necessary for them to pass through a similar ordeal the second time. My prayer through this, Lord, teach me and may I learn the lesson that you are desiring to teach me now the first time. I do not want to go around this one again. Again, in letter 69, 1897, it reads, sorrow and trial must come to all and is beautiful only as it works to polish, to sanctify, and refine the soul as a fit instrument to do service for the Lord. The same principle is found in the scriptures in 2 Timothy 2 verse 3 where it reads, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. My appeal to each one of you, this has just been a simple outline of how God has led us in our lives. Some parts were easier than others. The return of Christ is near. Your close of probation is nearer. You have no idea what will happen when you get in a vehicle and drive somewhere. You just don't. But it can be something that can be a motivator. Are we ready? And that morning, I have the assurance before I left to work, before I left my family, we had morning worship. We prayed. We committed our lives to Jesus and there are no regrets, okay? My second appeal, read and heed the testimonies. If you haven't read them, start now. Testimonies of the church, I recommend in order, but just start. It'll be unbelievable how problems and trials and complexities will be answered with an authoritative word from the Lord. Third appeal, unleash the right arm of the gospel. It doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't have to be flashy. But hopefully, as I shared, you can just start incorporating this in any area of healthcare, be it physician, nurse, physical therapy, whatever, any of the allied health areas. You can start talking common sense of how physiology works that everyone should have been taught as a child. Fourth appeal, make sure that you are living where you should and how you should. Brothers and sisters, time is fast wrapping up. There's just no other way to say it. And I don't mean just this uh, presentation, but the world is waxing old like a garment. Spread the literature that we have been told to like the leaves of autumn. And most importantly, when Underscore, when your trial, when your crisis comes, hold on to Christ. No matter what happens, if it involves death, sickness, paralysis, or something else, divorce, uh, some other uh, trauma, as Peter said, to whom should we go? That's one thing that has been clear in this crisis. 
I don't understand how anyone would leave God when their life falls apart. I mean, where are you going to go? John 10 verse 10 says, the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There's nowhere worth going that's away from Christ. So get closer to Christ is what I'm wanting to leave this, is what I'm wanting to leave you with. I wanna end with the place where I started. God is the alpha and omega and the beginning quote and the ending quote. I still believe it. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning. I don't know how this story is gonna wrap up, but I trust God and that he's gonna work it out for the good of someone, hopefully many someones. And I just want to encourage you, the Lord is coming soon. Be ready, get ready, and help get others ready. Some are called to evangelize and preach in a public forum. Some are called to work behind the scenes. Some might just be called to endure a trial. And so with that, I wanna encourage you with whatever your life is, hold on, Christ is coming soon. This pain will soon be over. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your strength which you give, the grace that you pour out, which is every bit able to cover the trials which you will uh, bring your people through. I pray for my brothers and sisters here and who might listen later, that you would draw near unto them and that your Holy Spirit would comfort them in the trials they are going through. Oh Lord, may these brothers and sisters of mine, may they come closer to you as you desire that they would. Your return is soon and we desire to be ready. Oh Lord, I pray that you would bless the remainder of the Amen Conference. I pray that you would equip and fortify and strengthen these healthcare professionals and uh, supporting staff to go forth with renewed strength and courage. We love you, Lord. I thank you for how you've been faithful in the Knutson family, and I thank you for how you've able to be faithful in everybody who will just stay their life in your hands. Thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.